Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include Grow More in 24, my interview with Mayor Brown LLP's Holly Spencer Bunting on RESPA happenings and how the industry can get to better regulation, and bond market sentiment continues to shift. Today's podcast is brought to you by Encino, makers of the Encino Mortgage Suite for the modern mortgage lender. Encino Mortgage Suite's three core products, Encino Mortgage, Encino Incentive Compensation, and Encino Mortgage Analytics unite the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process. See how Encino can support a home ownership journey that your borrowers and your team will love at Encino.com. Lenders are facing a winter trying to figure out if they are in the survive until 25 camp or the grow more in 24 mindset. The credit industry is reeling as lenders grapple with soft versus hard pulls, renegotiating pricing, and bundled deals. And for some reason, LO Comp continues to be unsettled. Dual Comp, MLOs as real estate agents, transferring pipeline data when changing jobs, different fee structures within the same state, and so on. It gets into the domain of compliance, and compliance departments are always busy. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome to the show Mayor Brown LLP's Holly Spencer Bunting to talk about RESPA happenings and how the industry can get to better regulation. She assists companies in complying with the anti-kickback requirements of RESPA, including counseling clients on the creation and operation of affiliated business arrangements, reviewing proposed and existing business relationships, and drafting disclosures under Section 8 of RESPA. So I want to talk to you today about RESPA and industry regulation, and let's start with a little background here. RESPA has been around since 1975. What are the latest happenings surrounding the act? Well, there's not a lot in terms of the statute itself, um, other than Dodd-Frank amendments as it related to um, consumer disclosures back in 2010. The the anti-kickback portion of RESPA hasn't been amended in decades. Um, So the the latest happenings really relate to guidance that the CFPB is issuing, as well as as recent enforcement actions um, that were announced in the past couple of months, specifically as it relates to Section 8 of RESPA. And what were those? Um, there, the, the guidance really has tried to focus on marketing activities that seems to be the way that I think most folks are finding RESPA to be a bit challenging in terms of, of how to interact from a marketing perspective. So the CFPB issued frequently asked questions that they posted on their website that provide some guidance about promotional opportunities or marketing services agreements or how to provide um, gifts or not provide gifts, I guess is maybe the better way to say it. Um, And the idea, I think, really is to try to draw some lines in the sand in terms of the types of issues that the CFPB looks at when they're determining whether or not a particular activity is a violation because it's a thing of value in return for the referral or whether or not it is a normal promotional activity that's acceptable from a RESPA perspective. Not surprisingly, those FAQs, uh, I think, were sort of laid the groundwork for their most recent enforcement actions as well. So there was a consent order uh, announced against uh, a nationwide mortgage lender as well as a a New York-based real estate broker. And the allegations in those consent orders focused, again, on those marketing activities, uh, marketing services agreements, um, co-advertising, hosting events, and providing other 
um, marketing type uh, technology tools to um, real estate agents. Uh, so again, I think that's that's been the agency's focus. Are there any notable takeaways or briefs that that people in the industry should stay up to date on with it? What what's kind of the the important things for people to know as it pertains to modern day here? Well, I think one of the things that's I think a, a bit frustrating um, when folks are looking at trying to comply with Section Eight of RESPA, particularly in a tough market, um, is there's not really a lot of guidance that anticipates the way that folks conduct business today using technology. So there's more in terms of what you should not do from a technology perspective uh, and how that creates RESPA challenges as opposed to here are the things that you can do um, or here are the um, things that the government or the regulators recognize is sort of modern day um, transaction process and procedure and how RESPA fits into that, that universe. That doesn't really exist, which I think is challenging. So the flip side in terms of, of really, I think, trying to stay up to date and on, on match with, with what's happening um, is to, to, to follow those issuances from the regulators. I think it's even helpful to, to try to pay attention to what the states are doing in terms of you know, types of, of questions and, and documents that are being requested as part of supervisory examinations, even if they don't turn into any sort of public announcement or uh, enforcement action, I think that it gives folks a good indication as to where regulators are think- what they're thinking about as it relates to RESPA. Uh, and then I think allows people to be better prepared in terms of responding to those requests, but then also pursuing different types of marketing and technology initiatives um, on their day-to-day business. As I alluded in the opening question, RESPA is almost 50 years old. Yeah. It'll be 50 years old. How do you feel like the act's helpfulness to the mortgage industry has evolved over these 48 years? Um, I don't know if I would necessarily call it helpful. Um, I mean, it is a consumer protection statute, and the idea is is that consumers are not charged higher prices because of the um, uh, referral arrangements with mortgage companies and other settlement service providers. I don't know that it's necessarily helpful um, to the mortgage industry other than it does draw lines in the sand. Um, But I do think that to the extent it's a fact of life, which it is, it's a statute, as you say, that's been around for a long time, there's not been a lot of changes made to it. And it's it's a fact of life in terms of compliance uh, for a mortgage company's day-to-day operations. I, I wish it could be more helpful um, in terms of recognizing how providers do business with each other today. So for instance, if you own an affiliate, if you're a mortgage company that owns an affiliated title insurance agency, you have to provide an affiliated business disclosure. That's required under RESPA. Most folks don't see consumers face-to-face anymore, but the statute is very much written uh, to envision a process where you're sitting across the table from a consumer, you make a verbal referral, you can hand them a piece of paper and have them sign an affiliated business disclosure form. That's not how we do business anymore. Um, So it would be terrific if the the act could be um, updated or at least the guidance as it relates to these requirements could be updated to help folks actually comply 
because they truly want to comply. Folks are not trying to, to evade the rules, but they really need to be more helpful to folks in their everyday business. Do you think the industry needs more regulation, less regulation, better regulation? How do you see it? Definitely better regulation. Um, I mean, there's there's certainly an argument that you know RESPA is anti-business. It really um, you know handcuffs folks' ability to to uh, form relationships and deliver you know quality service for consumers. There's there's that that argument, but then of course the other side of that coin has its own um, concerns, which is the consumer protection angle and whether or not the consumer is being t- taken advantage of or if they're truly uh, being provided the best service, getting the best products for their circumstances, but for these types of referral relationships. So I think that the regulation, again, is what it is, but I do think it can be better. Um, there are certainly instances where there's focus on marketing activities, for instance. And the question ultimately is, what's where's the consumer harm? Um, there isn't always consumer harm when it comes to particular respite issues. For instance, um, title insurance is often a promulgated rate, uh, which is the same for every title insurance agency. If a mortgage lender and a title agency have entered into some sort of marketing arrangement, is it ever going to impact the prices that consumers pay? Maybe not. Um, so I do think there uh, is a need to, to really take a look at the law. Um, and evaluate whether there is, in fact, true consumer harm uh, in certain areas. And then, of course, balance that with the fact that there are bad actors and there is a need for consumer protection. So uh, there's room for both in the conversation. And I think that to to make it better, we've got to find a middle ground. What does that middle ground look like? How do we actually get to better regulation? Well, part of it, I think, is, is... taking a look at modern day transactions, right? So I know that um, the Mortgage Bankers Association is starting a a series of RESPA modernization working groups where the whole idea is to share ideas among uh, folks in the the trade association about how RESPA can be improved uh, as as part of their own day-to-day businesses. Um, So I think starting those conversations not only in the mortgage industry, but other industries that are impacted by RESPA. Um, and then getting time with regulators, I think, is, is the, the best path. Unless our regulators are going through uh, a mortgage loan transaction of their own or have done so recently, they don't necessarily understand what that process looks like. You know, What does it look like to shop for a home with a real estate agent these days? What does the mortgage origination process look like? Um, and having those conversations with folks in industry, I think, is incredi- incredibly important to make sure that they have a good idea about how the world works and then can apply uh, governance and regulation that actually makes sense for the business. And for people in the industry, is the best way to stay informed, to help out regulators, to join advocacy groups? Or how do you how do you see it? Absolutely. I mean, I think... Uh, joining advocacy groups is is a great way. Um, attending conferences, if you're able to do that, um, even just uh, you know subscribing to the CFPB's um, email list, where you get updates about regulatory announcements or enforcement actions, that at least you know give folks an opportunity to to reach out to their congressperson or their their senator or even 
someone at the regulator if there are particular issues that they really want to be heard on. So I, I, I do think that even if you can't participate directly in those types of advocacy opportunities, um, signing up for those listservs is a great way to stay on top of the issues and then insert yourself if you, you feel like that's important for your business. Very well put. Holly, I really appreciate you going through this with me today. Thank you very much for your time. Of course. Thank you, Rob. Markets finally paused recent optimism that has been riding on the assumption that the Fed will lower interest rates in 2024. Until yesterday, that optimism had fueled rallies in both stocks and bonds over the past few weeks, with investors continuing to overlook Fed rhetoric and bet on deep interest rate cuts next year. Fed Chair Powell on Friday reiterated that it is too early to consider cutting rates and that the FOMC plans to keep policy restrictive for some time. Despite his stance, markets are still at odds with the Fed, pricing in the first rate cut as early as March and 125 basis points of rate cuts in total for 2024. Remember, sticky inflation can prevent the Fed from cutting. The Fed is widely expected to leave rates unchanged for the third consecutive FOMC meeting next week, in what would be no change for the fourth out of the past five meetings. However, the post-meeting statement will likely continue to indicate that additional tightening is possible. The fear is that the Fed declaring victory too early while the economy is growing and the labor market is tight is a risk if inflation spikes back up. The Fed has entered its blackout period ahead of the meeting, so we won't get any more chatter from FOMC members until after the meeting on the 13th. Additionally, there will be no Treasury note or bond auctions this week, and the week will be dominated by the jobs report on Friday, where expectations are for an improvement from October's report to an increase of 180,000 jobs in November and no change in unemployment. Today's economic calendar gets underway later this morning with Redbook same-store sales for the week ending December 2nd. They'll be followed by final November S&P Global Services PMI, expected to decline slightly, ISM non-manufacturing PMI for November, expected to tick up, and Jolt's job openings for October supposedly sliding to 9.35 million from 9.55 million in September. We begin the day with agency MBS prices, better by an eighth to a quarter, the 10-year yielding 4.23 after closing yesterday at 4.29%, and the two-year yield is down to 4.52, as investors continue to believe, perhaps mistakenly, that the Fed is not only done raising rates, but will come around to cutting them. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Thanks to Carol Kay, who all the way from Indiana wrote, My new car has a button for pretty much everything. There's one that even says rear wiper. Though I'm still too afraid to try that one. (laughs) Thanks again to Encino, makers of the Encino Mortgage Suite for the Modern Mortgage Lender. Encino Mortgage Suite's three core products, Encino Mortgage, Encino Incentive Compensation, and Encino Mortgage Analytics, unite the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.